Lake Bell is obsessed with the human voice. You know who she is. She's an actor, director. She made a film called In a World about a woman trying to make it as a voiceover artist for movie trailers. She does her own voice work and as you'll hear, she's a collector of voices. And the way Lake Bell describes the voice in a new book is that it's a combination of influences and adult human sounds. So there's a lot that makes up the voice we choose to present. Her book is not a book book. It's an audio book, not just Lake reading what she wrote. It's a production of Pushkin Industries created by the writer Malcolm Gladwell. They're kind of reworking the convention of audiobooks. So this one is full of voices and conversations and stories, stories like this one from Becca Andrews. Here's Lake. The voice matters. How we sound is a gateway into where we want to be and where we've come from. With Becca, who grew up in rural farmland south, she had a voice that reflected her upbringing. I never really noticed it growing up just because we didn't leave the south. I started realizing that there was a bigger world out there. And I loved writing and I loved it in a way that felt like it needed to be the most important thing in my life. And she watched pop culture, you know, and ingested all of these cues around her saying, hey, if you want to go to the big city and make something of yourself, you better sound differently than you sound now. So I started teaching myself to speak without my accent. I did this mostly through watching episodes of Gilmore Girls and then like reciting the like dialogue in the mirror. Being on TV has nothing to do with it. Maybe I'll be a journalist and write books or articles about what I see. I just want to be sure that I see something. She worked very hard to iron out that authentic, true vocal sound to get to her dreams. That became her dilemma because ostensibly she ironed out where she came from in order to get where she wanted to go and then had a massive regret. You want to sound the way that you think of yourself. And when I was younger, I really wanted to think of myself as this badass journalist who was going to like go out and do her thing, even though everyone was telling her that that was stupid and that she was from Crockett County and like that would never ever happen. So I wanted my voice to reflect my dreams and my like perception of who I wanted to be. And now, now I guess it doesn't, which is kind of painful. She said she had to burn everything down about her past. At least she thought that's what was required. She thought she had to do that in order to, you know, achieve her goals. She didn't sound like success, you know. And who says? Who says that? That's a cultural, social construct. That's not real. As we stand today, her true voice is not reflected in the person that came out of college. You know, she has a lovely voice, but she has 
a lack of connection in her voice in a technical sense. Uh, she talks with a break in her voice. It's not her authentic sound. She was so giving and truly tremendous in this book. Her ability to be that self-aware and that self-reflective and generous with her story is like remarkable to me. And then to connect with the fact that there is pain and regret, man, it's really moving and also kind of astonishing, you know, to think, gosh, a voice, wow, a voice has that much movement in our emotions, you know, and connectivity. This is Radio West. I'm Doug Fabrizio. Lake Bell is with us today talking about her new audio book called Inside Voice, My Obsession with How We Sound. We started with the obsession part. It's the first thing she mentions in the book that she has, and here's how she puts it, unequivocally dedicated a better part of her life force energy to the exploration of the voice. I find the act of communication to be obviously a human privilege that we can connect with people and with like-minded folks we share values through the act of our vocal communication and sure body language is a huge part of it as well however i would argue that the sound and tenor and and vocal choices that we make really broadcast such intimate and profound details about who we are. And so I think I, from a very early age, became acutely aware of the sounds of voices around me. Um, and it felt like a gateway drug into story and narrative. And mm. I was a, a child very hungry for story and for characterization and you know before I could understand what it was I just knew it was not only deeply entertaining but kind of like how I could relate to others so how much of that was I don't know what I guess the the performance part the part of you that 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 would become an actor like you were interested in not the mimicry I guess but just the was that part of it at all when you were young? Yeah. I mean, I had yeah. – <clears throat> I've spoken about how um, as a procrastination tool – I've always been a, a night owl and, and a procrastination tool to go to bed would be um, – you know, they'd be like, okay, Lake, it's time to go to sleep, you know, and I'd be like, <laughs> but it's the late Lake show. Everybody, welcome. Here's a character, you know, and I would like create characters with voices mm. and and kind of perform – uh, different vocal characterizations, and that became kind of like, oh, look at her, isn't she cute? Which then graduated mm. to, hey, kid, you got a good ear, you know? And mm -hmm. I felt like I was on to something, you know? I, I liked the idea of performing. I liked using my voice as a tool of play, but then also entertainment, you know? But then you became an actual... <laughs> I mean, a literal collector of, of dialects. <laughs> you, you, you had this dictaphone you got from Radio Shack. And so, <laughs> so how did it work? You would go out, you would, you would collect them, and then what, like recreate them? I mean, or, or were you just collecting them? 
I always liken my my accent collection, which, by the way, started without a dictaphone first. It was just a brain, a collection in my brain um, as a kid, uh, which I would, you know, sort of collect an accent and then sort of replay it or uh, enjoy it and relish in it with my brother uh, or friends. So I really thought of these accents as like stamps, you know, like kids who would collect stamps or snow globes or something like that. And I collected accents. <laughs> Just thought mm. dialects, accents, vocal qualities. You know, I didn't distinguish them as such when I was a kid. I just was like, oh, you know, I just sort of thought of, wow, look at, you know, especially, for instance, in my dad's office, there was um, the secretaries in my dad's office had a wonderful collection of different boroughs of New York. And yeah. I really, really enjoyed being with them and hanging with them. And it felt like a warm, those those sounds felt so warm to me because I loved them. And so they became, that accent started to form nostalgia. You know, it's like mm. so interesting that an accent and a dialect can actually, in the same way that a smell can kind of take you back to a place, the accents or dialects can also kind of provide that, you know. You hear someone speak a certain way and you go, oh, gosh, that reminds me of home, you know. And and so, I, you know, as I grew up, too, I, in living in, in England, you know, I started having forming those accent dialect nostalgias and having a sense of home sounds that came out of people's mouths uh, through through accents and dialects. So it's it's really it's really interesting. I mean, people have you know, profound and very meaningful reactions to different vocal sounds. And collectively speaking, you can see the evidence of that in, you know, when you ask people what, what the sound of voice of God is or who gets cast as the voice of God over and over again, for instance. You know, it, there are just things that we kind of have an unspoken understanding that that just is the way it is. That is the way, you know, this is the sound of sexy or this is the sound of strong or this is the sound of omniscient one of the things you write in the book you say the voice is a combination of influences and adult human sounds so just on its most basic level what is the voice it's so interesting because when you think of like a baby learning how to speak you know i was just thinking mm -hmm. about this on the drive after dropping my kids off at school and i thought oh it's it's interesting when I uh, I think about the voice in terms of like this tremendous privilege, right? Not ev you know most most humans get the opportunity and privilege to find words, you know, and to find sounds that help communicate between uh, family and community and help you you know, find love and career and work and follow through dreams. And your voice really is that, that ship, that beacon um, that, you know, sort of helps you arrive at those things. Um, it's big. That's why I, call, I say the stakes are high because yeah. Yeah. The, your voice is like, you know, if you're in the business of politics, you know, it, it's, it's, it's your – it's your mechanism to connect. So, yes, you can touch someone's arm, and that can mean something, right? You mm. can, you know, slump your shoulders, and that can, you know, sort of send a message uh, visually to someone else. However, 
I find that the voice being such a sort of inspected tool that mm. one, especially when it comes to women, um, yeah. that gets criticized and, uh, you know, picked apart and yeah. um, audited. It's just, you know, it becomes kind of that for me. I'm like, okay, so we're, th- we're on to something here. That is, it's intriguing to me that our voice can evoke not only warmth, as I spoke of just a, a minute ago, but then additionally uh, disgust or disapproval. Just the voice itself, not the content, not the performance, just the voice. <laughs> Lake Bell, her new audiobook is called Inside Voice My Obsession with How We Sound. It was produced by the podcast company Pushkin Industries. We'll take a break. Come back in a moment. You're listening to Radio West. KUER is proud to be listener-focused and listener-supported public radio. We're grateful for our community of donors and sustainers who make monthly contributions to the station. If you rely on our programming to stay informed, become our newest sustainer with a gift of just $5 a month. Or consider an increase to your existing contribution. Get started today at KUER.org slash donate. This is Radio West. I'm Doug Fabrizio. Today in the program, the writer, actor, director Lake Bell is with us, taking us through her new audio book. It's a really dynamic book full of conversations and voices and stories about the human voice. Bell says we all have a real voice, a natural voice. But how do you find it and why do we cover it up in the first place? The book is called Inside Voice, My Obsession with How We Sound. One of the really important goals for the book is to help people find what, what you describe as the real, a real voice. So, so you ask this question, where is your real voice? And are all, we all walking around with a real voice or a version of ourselves that we think we should sound like. So I wanted you to say more about that. Does anyone have a real voice? I mean, I would argue that, yes, people – and when we say real voice, I'm talking about connected voice, which I talk yeah. about in the book. Um, Connected voice being the harmony between your your breath mm. um, and the actual sound coming out being connected. Like there's a harmony between those two elements and that allows for this concept of a connected voice, which is, mm. yes, more resonant. It, it's not coming from the, the your chest where you're pushing out from maybe at the top of your your body. It's deeper in not in not in pitch, but in in um, in connectivity and resonance. So that's just that that means your 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 sound is being supported by your breath. What no matter what your pitch is, it's just that and and real and true voice, which is also connected voice, as we've discussed, is also a sound that is without affect and pitch shift. Well, when you're, when you're talking about the connected voice, when you talk about it in the, in the book, you do this exercise to illustrate it. And 
that I found really extraordinary. You do this fake cry where you say, okay, this is unconnected. Now, if I do a fake cry, that sounds unconvincing. (laughs) And then you do it in a connected vocal tone, a connected voice. It does sound more convincing and arguably more vulnerable. And what's wild is that this exercise actually inspires or connects directly to my emotional self. And I now do feel like I could cry. Would you talk about that? That's a sort of mechanism we do. I went to drama school, a drama conservatory in London, and and this was something that we often would play with, which is, gosh, you know, the, a lot of actors, I think when they're starting out, they go, well, I don't know, how, how, how do you cry? How do you cry on cue? And I'm like, okay, here's a harder question. How do you laugh on cue? You know, that said, one of the more profound kind of really exciting uh, exercises that I found really quite compelling was this idea that you could kind of fake it till you make it. But mm-hmm. what would push it even further is actually realizing that vocal connection allows for true emotion. So that's, yeah. it's a, it's a perfect example of connected versus not connected voice. So the vocalization of a fake cry which is, again, from the top of the chest, uh, 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 you know, that kind of, <laughs> you know, versus that what I do in the book, which is like almost like an animal call, a wailing, which is just almost just technical where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to drop my sound into my belly. I'm going to get my breath connected with my sound and then mm-hmm. allowing for to be without judging myself, right? With looking, I can look as crazy as I want to, but allowing for that sound to kind of emanate and, and cascade out of me in this connected sound. That allows for real emotion to get connected because it's real. And so it, it's like that's a, a, a fun kind of acting exercise, but also when you think of it in terms of voice, it's like, wow, that became a very evident kind of mm. exercise and evidence, as it were, you know, of what a connected sound, like why it's so different than one that is not. Mm. I want to ask about the kind of the really dynamic quality of this book, because it's not just you writing. Of course, it has conversations and sounds and mm-hmm. clips and these opportunities for, you know, readers slash listeners to kind of play along Talk about the development of that, like what you wanted this book to to sound like. Well, I think, you know, because this – when Malcolm and I – Malcolm Gladwell obviously producing the book via his arm of Pushkin yeah. Industries. Malcolm and I have been friends for a really long time and he knows about my obsession of voice and <laughs> for many, many years. And so it was kind of like – when I came to the realization that I had to write this book and create this book, I should say, he was the one who was kind of like, well, it can only kind of ever exist in audio book format. I mean, yeah. it's, it's almost like the entire genre 
has allowed for you to have a platform to make it because it's just it couldn't be more suitable and so you know that, that that's very exciting for me as a creator as a person who you know I write and direct films you know and mm-hmm. I I produce them and I think of this book as a multifaceted you know if an audio book could be a cinematic journey <laughs> without visuals, you know, because, uh, you know, I had my friend Chris Bear score it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I treated uh, each chapter as if it were scenes and, um, you know, chapters of a narrative. And I, I do think that because I haven't written a book before, um, nor an audio book for that matter, it gave me the freedom to not know really what the rules are. And so mm-hmm. then I would I was allowed to kind of just the freedom to do whatever the hell I wanted. And if that became, you know, silly games that actually are kind of, you know, an interesting kind of umbrella for sociological discussion about <laughs> our vocal proclivities and judgments and profiles then then so be it you know and if it was yeah. interactive and asking asking the the listener to participate or um you know playing with pop culture to far more heavier and and um profound subjects i i just wanted to be able to have the freedom to do that and i think you know pushkin and and my my producer certainly carrie and and julia they they really helped nurture the idea that i don't I have not done it before and therefore let's not, you know, let's let you roll. Let's let you just kind of put whatever you want down and see. And they supported me in, in, in every effort. So, so I felt like because I, there was no roadmap for something like this, I got to create my own. Yeah. Well, let me mention one of those moments where you, uh, this is early on in the book where you ask us as as listeners slash readers and some of the people you talk to in the book to to say these two random words. Now, what is a combination of words that seem to kind of hit so many sounds and shapes that they reflect differently in so many accents and dialects? Let's think. Two random words, apropos of nothing, but a joy to roll off the tongue. Hmm. How about uh uh authoritative love that marzipan authoritative Woo. marzipan yes authoritative marzipan authoritative marzipan authoritative marzipan authoritative marzipan authoritative marzipan maybe say something about that little exercise and why those words authoritative marzipan are first of all just two terrific words i'm a word nerd i love words yeah. <laughs> i've always loved the word marzipan anyway authoritative marzipan is apropos of nothing it doesn't have any it doesn't make any sense you can't force yourself to make any sense of it it's just uh two words that have a terrific go of shapes and sounds and vowels and consonants and that really allow for every accent and dialect and affectation to to live in different ways when when re- reset. So I, I really wanted to have this kind of little tapestry of different sounds in a way that could make you just, again, listen and relish and enjoy 
in the the human voice. Well, one of the sort of points of that exercise and which worked for me, because you say like now you're actually thinking about your voice. And for some of us, like maybe for the first time ever, because you mentioned in the book, we we have become dissociated from our voices. And so I, I guess one of the ideas here is to get us to just be what more more aware of our voice. Yeah, I think we are disconnected with our voice. I mean, we often hear it, and I talk about this a lot, because not only are we disconnected, but there's a lot of self-loathing that yeah. goes on with our, oh, God, is that, is that what I sound like? Jesus mm, Christ. Mm, oh, my God, mm, please mm. don't play that back. You know, And the idea is that somehow it's like a stranger speaking or something. You know, you just, we have no kind of, connectivity with our own voices and yet we're listening to other people's voices and having lots of judgments and thoughts about other people's voices but on our own and what is it that makes us not recognize our own voice you know it's like that i find shocking and also kind of hilarious (laughs) like it's like looking in the mirror and not recognizing your own face or something you know and Mm. i think it's just because we're, it, it's it just is a perfect piece of evidence to highlight the fact that we just don't pay attention to it. We just don't care. We don't exercise it. We don't mm-hmm. we don't stretch it. You know, it's kind of yeah. remarkable. And it's the thing that when you meet someone for the first time and you, oh my gosh, you know, could this be the love of my life? You know, you sit down, you open your mouth to speak and. That's going to make far more an impression than, in my opinion, that said, at least for me, when I sit across from someone, that's going to make far more an impression than like what your hair looks like, you know? Yeah. Well, there's this moment when it's it's a great section of the book where you talk to Liz Himmelstein, this vocal coach, um, and she, she it's a great section because she talks about training or talking to actors about – um, working through dialects and, and different accents, and it's great, and it's funny, and She's the it's best. terrific. But <laughs> it, there's a part where Liz, where you ask Liz, what would happen because you do these warm ups with her, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you said, what if we all warmed up like that every morning? What would happen? Well, I think people would feel like they have the courage now to enjoy their voices. But also, it's not just enjoying yourself. It allows you to be more generous with other people. That your focus isn't on yourself, but it's on the other person. And that these sounds are sent across to the other person. It's a very generous act to use your sounds. She's amazing. And she said that, and I was floored because I thought, oh, my gosh, she's so my people. (laughs) Because, yeah. you know, not everyone is a is a voice nerd. I understand that. Um, but boy, Liz Himmelstein is. And I think most dialect coaches, I really, and vocal coaches in general, I connect to because I do think they understand the power and the, the profundity of like just being able to find your voice and being able to enjoy it and respecting it as a tool. You know, mm. respecting it as something that needs greasing and oiling and care and repair and 
generosity. And so I do think that she's saying, you know, she's sort of echoing a larger theme, which is, you know, our real and true voices, our real sound. If you were walking around with that kind of generosity, then it would hopefully inspire others to reciprocate. Lake Bell, her new audiobook is Inside Voice, My Obsession with How We Sound. We'll take another break. Come back in a moment. You're listening to Radio West. Weekends on KUER are filled with the same high-quality news and engaging conversations you hear every weekday. Keep up on the latest news with Weekend Edition and All Things Considered. Indulge your curiosity with Radiolab and Hidden Brain. Or dive into the rich storytelling of Snap Judgment and This American Life. The best in NPR news and entertainment awaits you this weekend on KUER. See what's in store at KUER.org schedule. This is Radio West. I'm Doug Fabrizio. Back now to our conversation with Lake Bell. She has a new audiobook out, A Deep Exploration and Celebration of the Human Voice. She gets at how our voices work and what they advertise to the world about us, but also why we change them, why we alter them, and how you recover your real voice. The book is called Inside Voice, My Obsession with How We Sound. Let's come back to Malcolm Gladwell because there's this the section in the book where you break down <laughs> the sexy baby voice. Um, yeah. And before you do, talk about the sense of conflict that you felt and st- still feel about this. Because yeah. you say on one hand, you, you say you've been in kind of in awe about this vocal trend um, and and interested in how it developed and where it ca- came from. But also, <laughs> this is how you put it, you frankly – don't want your daughter to grow up to speak like that. So say something about that conflict because you're really honest about this. I mean the book is about generosity and not judging but then there's this really interesting section where you have to confront this. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm a human being. I, I – you know, um, I think most human beings are interesting in their contradictions. Um, and we're all guilty of them. And I do feel like the book is wildly unjudgmental and very generous, but I do struggle. Uh, and this is, you know, by the way, I, I, I will say outright that I initially had written this entire chapter on sexy baby with such woke generosity and <laughs> sensitivity. And I was really learning how to be, open to something that I don't traditionally understand and all this stuff. And, and, uh, it was Malcolm who said, no, 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 we're not doing that. And I, I need to interview an expert on sexy baby to understand it more. And then Mm -hmm. to understand the conflict and that expert is you. And so I was like, damn it, you know? And so, uh, you know, Mal and I just got in a room and he interrogated me. First of all, we have these elements that you've identified. Are they all equally important or are they... They, are. they all play. So you can't rank them. You can't say sexy baby is 60% this, 20% this. No, it's a cocktail. It's a cocktail. Okay. N- number one, th- the vocal fright. I would say number one, pitch. Pitch, okay. I would go straight to pitch because first you've got to... 
you know, the reason why it feels really honest and it is kind of a, a respite in the in the kind of like hand holding that I do through these experiences is that it's, you know, I'm in process on it <laughs> as we all are. You know, I have a dear friend, uh, June Raphael, who's an amazing uh, uh, writer, director, actress. Um, I guess she's more of a, a writer, actress. I'm not I'm not sure how she sort of like talks about it, but she's also an activist and she has taught me a lot about, you know, she, she and I will have sort of intellectual kind of um, conversations and uh, respectful sparring on this subject because, you know, they're on one side of the coin. I want to just love and embrace every woman who decides to have their voice heard, you know, mm. no matter what mm. sound it is and what pitch and what affectation, who cares? I got your back, woman. You know, uh, the yeah. feminist uh, in me really wants that. And then the other feminist in me um, yeah. is yeah. is quite cross and conflicted with the idea that women should ever feel like they have to... Uh, infantilize their sound and make themselves mm. sound like little girls who, you know, are hearkening back to a time where they had no agency or that are submissive, you know, because, mm -hmm. and, and then to boot sprinkling sexuality on top of that is very conflicting for me. So when someone has a naturally off the truck, high pitch, you know, that is their natural sound. That's their true connected voice. It just happens to be high pitch. I have zero qualms with that and no conflict with that. I have dear friends. Um, Kate Micucci, we just did a live show and she, you know, she was one of my guests because we talked about that she has a naturally high pitched tone. It just is who she is. That's her voice, you know. I have another friend who I speak about in the book who also has that. She's a mother of three, very smart, very interesting woman, and she just has an extremely high-pitched tone, you know, and that's just who yeah. she is. And then um, I think that where I am in conflict is when I hear it, because I happen to be very vocally attuned, damn it, mm -hmm. damn me, you know, <laughs> when I hear a very unconnected sound that is very much overtly an affect or put on for the purposes of appealing to the opposite sex or becoming it's it's harder to swallow that pill because it's it's just um i kn i know it's not connected now that said i think also because i'm also you know in a student of understanding you know just sidebar but ageism and you know sexuality in and femininity as a, a, a woman ages. And so in that same kind of thought bubble, I would love women to age gracefully, not only with their bodies and their aesthetics, but also their voice. Yeah. I want to ask you about another um, element of the book, which is interesting. It's the story sections that you include Say something about Pam Greer in this part of the book. I mean, Pam Greer is, I think of her as family. So we have um, known each other for many years at this point, And I have admired her 
I mean, really from afar for so many decades and finally getting to be at this familial level with her. Um, I just was privy to her upbringing and story and we had connected on our own personal journeys within um, sexual trauma and uh, assault. And so she was very generous in the book to share her story and I won't sort of overly expand on it because it's her story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think that, you know, in relationship to her own voice as a woman and as a woman of color coming up in an industry that often just didn't welcome her and yet felt comfortable exploiting her. Um, Mm. It was, you know, she sort of delved into a different time of her life that is more unexpected in her youth um, to talk about her psychogenic uh, dysphonia, which was uh, vocal loss due to trauma. So that in the book is the most sober moment of the book. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I think that it helps contextualize why the voice is so important and why the stakes are so high. Right. So as you put it in the book, you say this process of being marked by your voice is, um, as you say, especially fraught when someone identifies as queer. And you explore that question of whether, you know, there is such a thing as as a gay voice, which was an interesting part of the book. Talk, Talk about... Say a little bit about that conversation you have with the filmmaker and journalist David Thorpe. Yeah, and and Sam Sachs. I uh, amazing and Sam Sachs, poet. Yeah, right. yeah. So the, this was really interesting. I mean, look, it's all I'm such a geek about all of this, but I, <laughs> I really, I really was. I, I mean, part of the reason why this book has so many contributors is for this very reason, which is I, I want to talk. Uh, to people about their own vocal experience and especially within this idea of gay voice versus a non-gay voice like what does that mean i was like i'd like to know what that means. I, I would like to understand where the where it's what's the origin story of this uh this stamp that this that the s the sibilant s is a gay sound like what what's up with that let's 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 unpack you know mm. and mm. so I just went to David Thorpe and Sam Sachs as as teammates, as what can you share in this subject and what's your own experience, you know? Did you sound, did you have a sibilant S, for instance, if we use that as a, a North Star? Did you have a sibilant S in when you were growing up, when you were a little kid? Do, do you remember having it? Can your family members remember it? And, you know, and some, Sam shared a, a really kind of moving story about, you know, him having, you know, speech pathologists descend upon mm-hmm. him at a very early age because the idea was that his family felt and his school even felt that this would get, that his sibling S would get in the way somehow of his yeah. success. It's all about like how can you be successful, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I find like that's a recurring theme. 
um, people ironing <laughs> out beautiful quirks and delightful uh, uniqueness in their voice and authenticity in order to achieve some version of success that they're trying to attain, which you know, is so kind of telling of our society at large, you know, um, that we're not tolerant, you know, we just can't handle it, you know? And I mean, look, you, okay, you have a quintessentially, um, you know, news media, American generalized accent, as do I, okay? And I, I'm curious, I'm turning it and flipping it on you. Where are you from? I'm from Davis County, Utah, suburban Salt Lake City. Okay. So when you said county, you you allowed, because we were talking about where you're from, you allowed for that vowel to kind of elongate and get a little wider. County, yeah. you know, instead of county, right? So it's really interesting that even when we ask people where they're from, sometimes, very lucky, thank God it happened, that you kind of allowed yourself to kind of slip into yeah. a little Utah there. Um, yeah, you reveal yourself. You reveal yourself. Yeah, and so I, the beauty of that is, you know, where have we come from and can we hold on to it? And can we right. hold on to it with pride and love and generosity to ourselves in order to say to others, as Liz Himmelstein would say, hey, I'm generous with myself, and so thus you can, I'll be generous to you, you know? There's this, um, an, another great section in the book, and we don't have to talk too much about it. I don't want to give too much away, but this person named Samantha Allen, um, and she talks about the evolution of her voice after she comes out as a trans woman. When I came out as transgender, I wanted to speak in a higher register to pass more in public settings and just generally make my life more convenient, but also I think like express more of who I felt like on the inside externally. So voice for me has always been an obstacle. It's been a vehicle for expression, an annoyance. It's so many things wrapped up in one. I guess her comfort level with her voice evolves and changes. And then she gets to this point where she describes she describes this as a very banal but refreshing acceptance. And you kind of key on that banal but refreshing acceptance is kind of what kind of an end goal (laughs) yeah i think that there first of all samantha allen i adore her and she um speaking with her about her kind of vocal journey in her transition was really beautiful and 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 i mormon yeah grew up mormon the most extraordinary story ever p.s um and and when we think about really crystallizing a, a, a beautiful kind of case study of vocal transformation in her transition, she, you know, her style shifting from kind of speaking in a pitch that her family is more accustomed to hear her speak in. And then when she is out and about and um, perceived and accepted as her true gender, which is female, that she then can sound um, more akin to a gendered female sound. Um, and sometimes I also love when she says a, a banal gen, um, sort of refreshing acceptance. I loved that because it is kind of like her going, for instance, to interview someone and simply or, or going to, you know, down to the shops to get something. She's going to utilize 
a more kind of feminine-facing sound simply to make things easier. So she doesn't even have to, to, you know, I love the kind of, like, utility of it. She's just like, yeah, I just don't want to answer any questions. I don't want to get into it. So so she just does it for this amazing utility. And and I, I just, that's such a beautiful exercise in just... Uh, in in the vocal uh, the the pliability of the vocal uh mm. musculature you know yeah i um one of the ideas in the book that comes up a few times is that you believe we should um take an inventory of our voices how do you how do you expect people to find their, you know, their natural or real voice? Because as you point out in the book, finding your voice is raw work. That's how you put it. Um, straight up therapy. Um, so what do you suggest for people to find that real voice? Because it's also a, a little bit about giving yourself a break. That's yeah. kind of what it's about too. I think the first thing you're going to do is you're going to listen to the book. <laughs> It's a great place to start um, yeah. to find your true voice because I do think it helps you, you know, I, I handhold a bit, you know. Mm. I hold mm. your hand through the process and go, hey, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is what it means, you know. Um, and it's it's fun work. So don't think it, yes, yeah. it's raw work, but it's also, you know, there's, there's something – my mom sort of uh, said, you know, like, this is a really, it's an interesting topic for people because when you ask them about their voice, you are both fanning their ego because they get to, you know, kind of, oh, my, oh, gosh, don't. And then they also <laughs> get to play humility. So it's this, it's it's kind of a, t- a terrific subject. And in that way where you get to really, yeah, go ahead, luxuriate in you. Mm. You know, get to, you know, kind of inspect yourself and and uh, relish in your own you-ness, but but in a place that you just never have looked under the hood, you know. And right. it's just one of those things where you can't even believe how much there is to discover in something that goddamn you, you're using every day. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's 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 surprising in that way. So I challenge yeah. and I say, hey, go for it. Give yourself a yeah. chance to breathe a little deeper, to fill to you have this beautiful privilege to breathe and breathing is the core fuel. It's the it's the the battery to your um your vocal tools. And we don't breathe enough. We're not breathing deep enough, you know. So mm. I think that's a great place to start. And then I'm just going to breathe right now. <laughs> and then allow for yourself to enjoy your regionalism to, you know, your your sort of unique quirks and sounds, whether you yeah. have a sibilance or a lisp or a, an impediment. I don't, I don't even like that word. I'm like, what? You know. I, I yeah. feel like whether your pitch is naturally extremely high or extremely low, you know, whatever it is, it's yours. And if that's you, own it, you know. That's it. Like that was the takeaway for me because sometimes sometimes I'll buy something that I think is really cool to wear, and, but I'm not sure I can pull it off. Like, you know, <laughs> a hat or like a velvet jacket or something. And my wife says – Look, you can pull it off, but you have to own it. That's what you're saying. You, you have to own it. 
You gotta own it. And that's the thing is like, if, if, if we could just get like a handful of people to not say, ugh, I hate my voice. Don't play it back. You know, if we could just have some sort of vocal generosity with ourselves and then also challenge ourselves to connect our voice to a deeper place, it really does offer in relationships, for instance, when you're relating to your partner, when you're relating to a new person that you've just met for the first time what about work relationships career discussions when you're talking on an interview or something if you come in and you bring your true voice you achieve more i believe it i i really believe it i can tell i can smell the inauthenticity (laughs) and honestly i can't hire people who are really fully disconnected with their sound it it makes it very hard immediately i'm like oh we're not i'm not really getting Mm -hmm. to talk to you let me ask you finally, um, there's a moment in the book um, where you ask your kids like, what they think your voice sounds like. And I thought Nova's answer was really telling. She said it sounds like you. <laughs> I know. What do you think she meant? What do you think that was about? Well, I mean, that's it, isn't it? It's like yeah. it sounds like you. And of course, you know – I, I at first I tried to dig deeper for some kind of more more meaty answer, but I realized no, 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 that's that's the answer because it it highlights how important it is for me to sound authentic to me because my daughter, my children, Ozzy and Nova, are listening to my sound and they are forming their opinions of what a fully realized person should sound like. And it's not about aesthetics, right? The cosmetic sound of whether it's high or low or whatever. It's just that it's connected, that it's a sound that feels confident in in who I am. And I knew that I, I feel good about how I take care of my voice and how I share it with the people around me. And, and that's why it's so important to me to like little kids that you know your children they're looking at you and they're listening to you they're listening to you for what it sounds like to be a grown-up to grow up to to be fully realized you know and so for that i take it very seriously lake bell thank you very much thank you thanks for having me i appreciate all the support Lake Bell. Her new audiobook is called Inside Voice, My Obsession with How We Sound. Radio West is a production of KUER. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Twitter at Radio West. Our intern is Andrew Christiansen, the program produced by Benjamin Bombard and Tim Slover. Carrie Watson is our executive producer. I'm Doug Fabrizio.